Hi, and welcome to... No, I'm not doing that. That's starting out. Uh... The, the Burn Notice Notice show. Yeah. Welcome to Burn Notice Notice. Yeah. An episode of our podcast where we notice earlier episodes of our podcast. Thankfully, no one's come up with this joke exactly. yet. So it's ours. Oh, and so God. is Burn Daddies and so is Cow. Fight me. Oh, my God. I'm Chris Cherry, and I used to be a podcaster. Still am. What about you? I'm Bree Castellini. I thought we weren't doing this intro, so I didn't come up with anything. You could also say that you used to be a podcaster. We need to have an intro. That's how shows work. Today, all, speaking this of, is all the, sh- the intro, for the record. Speaking of how shows work, <laughs> uh, today, we're pe- pe- yeah, today we are peeling back the curtain. But you know how you peel curtains? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I do it roll like slow and tantalizingly. Exactly. With a, with like a curtain knife mm-hmm. to get the real smooth peel. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we're peeling back the curtain, uh, doing a Q&A episode, bonus episode, uh, in the lead up to season two, uh, answering questions that you guys have on Twitter and answering questions that maybe you, we just have for each other. Before we get into questions, I have a question for you. How did you feel about season one of Burn Noticed? Uh, Burn Noticed with a D? Burn Noticed with a D. Oh, interesting. I was I was so prepared to answer about Burn Notice without a D. No D in Burn Notice. Um, I don't know. I feel like it did pretty... I feel pretty good about it. It can, seemed to connect with more people than I thought, even with the initial outrage that we sparked yeah. on Reddit. Um, I'm always surprised when people like us. I know. It's never a We're guarantee. We're so unlikable. We're incredibly unlikable. Um, and then sometimes we'll make things and put them out, and then, like, dozens of people <laughs> will be like, yeah, why not? A baker's dozen, if you will. Yes. A lot of them are bakers. <laughs> a lot of them are bakers. It's a very weird cross-section exactly. Venn diagram of Burn Notice fans and people who are employed as bakers. Um, not many people know that every episode of Burn Notice is about the time it takes to make a cake. I think that the gamble that we have made, the two of us, is that our chemistry is interesting no matter what we're doing. And I don't know if we've won that gamble, but it's it's the dice that we've rolled. Yeah, because this is our third, like, duo thing we've done together. Exactly. <sighs> um, because we feel like people like us. I don't know why we don't like us. Mm-mm. But we like I mean, I like me. I don't like you. No, yeah. No, we don't like the concept of us. Yeah. No, no, no. The concept of us is horrifying. It's existentially awful. The concept of us is my least favorite Nicholas Sparks novel. Uh, uh, but, you know. Um, do you think we're going to get daddy dynamic in this bonus episode? I don't think we are. Is this finally going to be the episode that we acknowledge that another podcast exists? Um, there's, yeah, no, there's definitely other podcasts. Other podcasts exist. This is not, we did not make up the concept of podcasts. Other podcasts exist. I mean, yours, Serial, and that's it. Serial Season 2. Serial Season 2. Which people broadly didn't like as much. Exactly. I think there's a third one. Yeah, the third one's actually pretty good. It's it's definitely still not as good as the first season, but Season 3 was actually pretty good. How did you feel about Season 1 of Burn Notice? We talked uh, about this a little bit at the season finale. In but. the season finale, yeah. I I mean... But now that we have had some space from it, we've had some time apart. We've had some time to think. We have had some time apart. Uh, it's been amazing. <laughs> um, I think season one of Burn Notice... What ha- we really need is our own sides of the country. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, season one of Burn Notice was fine. Like, it, I think we did talk about this in the season finale episode, but, like, watching it the way that we're watching it to record a podcast definitely made it worse. Mm. Because, like, I couldn't just sort of passively enjoy, you know, yeah. the nonsense. Like, I was writing down the plot, and as I was writing down the plot, I was like, what? Oh, this is bad. Excuse me. That doesn't make any sense. And, like, it's not like I wasn't aware that, like, Burn Notice is kind of trash. But, like... It, but, it's hard to, like, look at it under a microscope the way that I would if I was working on my own stuff and be like, oh, like, from a technical level, something's wrong. But there were a lot of really strong character moments. Like, I like the tone of the show. The tone yeah. of the show is something that I think immediately drew me in as, like, a teenager. And is certainly what's keeping me around to finish this podcast yeah. in, you know, as an adult. Um, um, arguably an adult. Right. But yeah, so what, what what about you? What are your feelings about Burn Noticed? Burn Noticed? One? Yeah. Um, I think Burn Noticed as a show... Um, is a mistake. Is a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, I think we got better at it as it went along, as most things do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, like, again, I'm really glad that we're doing it. I'm doing it to do it because I think it's fun for us to do this thing. Um, and I... If the product is good, that's almost secondary. <laughs> and I'm sure the listeners agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of listeners, uh, do we have a Twitter question? Who was your favorite client for season one? This is from uh, Masters of the Nerdiverse podcast. He, his, they, they, I don't know what the gender is. It's definitely him. But um, so who was our favorite client from season one? They would go with Lucy Lawless's character in False Flag. What a twist. Disagree. Fuck that character because it had so she had so much potential and just they just killed her. Not also, even that they made her kill herself. Also, I don't think she technically counts as a client. Yeah, that's true. It would have to be like the dude from that exactly episode, like the boring guy with a son she who is can't the, act. She she does her worst acting when she's pretending to be a client. Yeah, that's fair. So yeah, so who would you say is your favorite client? I pulled up the season one yeah, IMDb yeah, pull, list. Let's take a look. Who? Okay, so I'll I'll just list them out for you. So. We have, uh, m- m- like, Gardener of uh, the Priest from Psych. Yeah. We have um, the old lady that got the shit kicked out of her by the oh guy from Lost. God. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. <laughs> we have a shitty teenager and her really young mom. Not them. Uh, we have the dad of the daughter who's about to get sex trafficked, oh who God. is 20 years older than Michael, but also inexplicably went to high school with him. Yeah. Um, we have the guy who works at the airport with the Israelis. Oh, yeah, yeah. We have, um, the old SEAL buddy of Sam who fucks Madeline. That's true. Who is he was a good. contender, yes. He is definitely a contender. For sure, he is a contender. We have, uh, the guy from Little Havana whose shop gets all busted by Michael oh, Weston's alter ego. We have, um, the... The guy who didn't steal the spider brooch, who Fiona flirts with. Oh, he was good too. He was fun. Basically, I feel like the best way for me to like you as a client (laughs) is for you to like either fuck or try to fuck. (laughs) One of the characters. (laughs) One of the characters. Not Michael. No, not Michael. But another character. Uh, Then we have the Nick Lamb ding dong. No, no. Whose fiance was kidnapped after he pretended he was rich. Um, we have, we have Lucy Lawless, who we already talked about. Then we have... Oh, yeah, the... 
then we have the the woman whose friend at her her coworker uh, is being blackmailed, but it turns out yeah. her coworker is actually the blackmailer. I think it's Sam's buddy. I think it's Sam's buddy. He's very fun, and he like he, he makes sense, yeah. and he's got great chemistry with Madeline, and like gives her a plot line that's more interesting than just like, why don't you ever call me? Yeah, it's always like if you can give Madeline something to do, that's great. Mm-hmm. Like, well, she's fantastic. Like Sharon Glass is a national treasure, and the fact that she's like just there to smoke and be mad that Michael doesn't talk to her more, it sucks. I like Sharon Glass. I think Sharon Glass is, like, very good. I think we're just throwing around national treasure. I don't. I think we can have more than one national treasure. Because you know what? This treasury is big enough for all. I definitely think that she's good enough to have been in national treasure. (laughs) God, can you imagine? (laughs) She would have been fantastic. As Nick Cage's mom. Yeah, no, I I think I agree that that, um, Sam's Navy SEAL buddy is probably my favorite. Um... Definitely, like, the best use of a client. Sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, and that, and again, we, we mentioned this, but this was the first episode that we considered a great episode of television. Yeah. So that obviously speaks very highly to um, to that client. All right. I'll, uh, what else does Twitter say? Uh, Twitter also asks, who was our favorite season one villain slash antagonist? <sighs> I kind of think, like, I'm going to have to say Michael, or Michael Bly. Uh, I'm going to have to say Jason Bly, because I think that he had the most, like, direct interactions with Michael yeah. that actually screwed over yes, Michael's that's very true. life. Like, he, he's the only antagonist who seemed to have a lasting impact. Yes. Um, and, like, they had good, you know, banter chemistry. Yeah, no, definitely. And he comes back in season two for my favorite episode. That's true. No, he's very good. Again, if they hadn't fucked up Lucy Lawless. Oh my god, Lucy Lawless would have been so good. Like she, ugh. We're the so history. angry about this this thing that happened 12 years ago. <laughs> the wounds are still here. This mistake that was made 12 years ago. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's like such a tragedy. I'm so mad. Yeah. So it could have been Lucy Lawless. Should have been Lucy Lawless. But, but I, I think it's going to be Jason Bly for No, me. I, I think I agree with that. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, any of the Case of the Week villains that were, like, really compelling. And they generally weren't. They were generally kind of boring. Um, again, like, yeah. Um, I didn't mind the, like, family of, like, maybe Israelis people. Like... That episode sucked, though. Because it was the same episode as, um, as Identity. Yeah, but, like, I feel like that family was a little bit better. But, like, no, it's, yeah, it's... It's Jason Bly. Yeah, it's definitely Jason Bly. Do you want another question? Uh, I have a, another question. Okay. How long has it been since you've seen season two of Bird Notice? Mm, like four months. Four months? Yeah. Like how... so, so I, was st- the reason that this podcast exists is because on January 31st, 2019, my 27th birthday, I decided to You're start watching. You're doxing yourself. I just decided to start watching Bird Notice again. What was your address when you did it? <laughs> 1337 Nostrand Avenue. Just kidding. That was my last address. Uh, Suck it. Um, No, yeah. So on my 27th birthday, it was like midnight. Quinn brought me cake. And I was like, well, while I eat this cake, I need something to do. You know what I'm in the mood for? Burn notice. And so then I watched like, I think like up to season three of that rewatch. And then I tweeted about how funny it would be to, to do a burn notice podcast called Burn Noticed. And then like two months later, we were recording Bree and Chris are depressed. And I was like, wait, Chris. 
what if we did a podcast called Burn Common Notice? And so at that point, I stopped my rewatch so that I could save myself for exactly. the recording. But I will say, I watched it all pretty quickly. I, I'm a very fast binger, and it's Burn Notice, so it's, yeah. it's, it's fairly unremarkable. In ter- like, it's hard to like piece together different episodes yeah. when you watch them so close together. So like, I don't remember enough about it to say anything with confidence. Do you remember enough that you feel excited about? How do you feel about doing season two like... I feel excited just because I know that m- most seasons are better than season one and I didn't and I liked season one enough to want to continue watching it <laughs> so that certainly says something I also am excited because my favorite episode of the series that I've seen so far at least yeah. uh is in season two yeah and how do you feel about season two of burn noticed I feel okay. I feel like we've got a rhythm down mm-hmm. and I feel like we we have a schedule that's going to allow me to keep up with post-production despite the fact that I have three jobs right now. So I'm feeling okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, uh, I am very cognizant for no reason whatsoever that uh, we have sort of two camps of our audience. We have the camp that like genuinely likes Burn Notice and like likes to listen to us recount it, mm-hmm. whether or not we are critical of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also have a camp who listen because for some reason our <laughs> dynamic is interesting and they kind of like the tangents and the bits mm-hmm. and like hearing more from us. Yeah. And I know as a person, and this is a common thread in my creative collaboration career where I take things very seriously and other people are like, what if we had fun with it? And I'm like, what if we stuck to the structure? So all that is to say... <laughs> I recognize that, quote-unquote, having fun with it is something some people want. Some people like this fun thing. But I also... I don't care for it. But also, like, it doesn't make sense. Like, you have to have the structure in order to have fun with it. Because otherwise, like, it would be completely incomprehensible. So much of what we do is already incomprehensible. I want at least one consistent thread. So that if even if you think we're stupid, like, if you want to understand what happened in the episode to understand why we're upset with certain aspects, you get that. Yeah. And so I feel like, I feel bad that I'm constantly having to like, Chris be on topic. I'm <laughs> cutting out your bit because it doesn't make sense. But also I recognize that sometimes the bits are good. So I guess I, what, I, I'm, what I'm saying is I'm going to try to loosen the reins a little this season. A little bit. However. Within reason. No, sometimes yeah. I have to be reined in. let it sit there mm-hmm. but i just but also like i worry that like sometimes our bits like we think we're funny but also what we think is funny is so incomprehensible that it does not translate and so i'm always worried like i i wish i made more jokes because i'm not good at this type of joke telling i do think it's a thing i think i decided just in general in like comedy and maybe art like more generally too that the only thing that I can do is, like, make things that I enjoy. Um, because the minute you try to make things that you think other people will enjoy, like, then you're having, to, like, you're second-guessing yourself and, like, do other people like this thing or whatever? Um, and, like, my philosophy is always I'm making things that I like and then and hoping that there are enough people like me that they will also find it entertaining. Yes, and the other thing you have to consider is that the thing that you like is not only for you. Because that's something that we both veer into a lot because we know each other very well and a lot of the, and we're very self-referential people. So it's, it, it becomes the escalator problem. <laughs> 
which is an incomprehensible reference. Yeah. But point being is like, we will get caught up in something that like re- re-listening to it is like, this doesn't make any fucking sense to anyone except for us. I think there's definitely, I mean, and the problem is, is like, be... those are the funny things. And so then it's like, shit, I cut out all the funny bits because they're only funny to two people and incomprehensible to everyone else. I do think it's a thing of like, well, I will say like, I don't like try to like, I don't spend a lot of time worried about is this my podcast audience entertaining? Yeah. Or is like, is the audience going to find this funny? That, cause that's subjective. Oh yeah. I am no, like, no but way. I am like, I am cognizant of, is this comprehensible? Does this like make sense? Which is why I don't reference things like the elevator, pro- like escalator <laughs> problem or stuff like that. Like I like would rather like, like a bit just live within it, within itself in the episode than mm-hmm. like calling back things outside of that. But I think like there's ways to do that within the episode. I don't know. Um, within the episode. Do you feel like we need to have more bits? I don't know. I feel like, especially towards the, like, we're, we've been striking a good balance, I think. Okay. Um, and I think there's definitely some episodes that can be more bits and some episodes that can be like less bits that are more like about the show. I think it depends. I think a lot of the time, the amount of bits is like related inver- to how bad the episode yeah exactly is. is that there's an inverse correlation between how good an episode is and how many bits there are because like I really loved our Treadstone episode and there's like no bits in that Mm-mm. that uh, there's like one or two but yeah it's but not really bits it's just like us like goofing off exactly yeah like that's a really like that's an episode where we're really like engaging with the material because like we have things that we want to talk about I think when we have things that we want to talk about. Like, it doesn't always have to be, like, funny or jokey or whatever. Yeah, unless the other thing for me is that, like, I... The reason I'm such, like, a, you know, strict, like, structurist is because I like that. Like, when yeah. I'm making things that I would like to see, exactly. I like the strict structure. No, yeah. Because... And so this is this is a problem that began with Cooking with Gandalf, which is a web series that I made in college with my roommates in college, where we found a partially broken animatronic Gandalf at Goodwill one day that whenever you walked past it, the motion sensor, which we could have tricked, I guess, with a wool blanket, yeah. is uh, see, season wanna... two reference. But See, the difference between you and me is that I wouldn't make that reference because I know that this episode comes out Earlier than that other. Yes, well, you're very smart and everyone's very proud of you. Yes. Um, but anyways, there was a stupid Gandalf and every time you walk by it, it would scream, you shall not pass. Yeah. And we thought this was the best thing we've ever found. And so we decided to create a cooking show around it. And so... Like you do, obviously. Exactly. It should have a cooking show. And so for me, that meant, oh, we now have a cooking show. Well, things come with a cooking show. We need an intro that's on brand. We need an outro that's on brand. We need consistent like imagery throughout. Like We need to decide if we want to make it comprehensible for people to... like learn how to make the thing we're making or we need to have links in the description box we need to have consistent like hey remember to like and like i i was immediately like this is a show i'm taking it seriously there is a beginning middle and end to a show there can be you know all sorts of nonsense in the middle but at the end i need everyone to come back together take a bite of the food and do the outro and like um that and i also need us to have an agreed upon menu for the season so that like we can plan out like Who's hosting each episode? What ingredients do we need to purchase? When is everyone going to be home so we can film? (laughs) Um, As you might imagine, this started to get a little bit um, uh, restrictive (laughs) for the members of the other Cooking with Gandalf team. Who just wanted to have fun. Yeah, they just wanted to have the camera on. The problem was, is that like, granted, I was being too harsh about like, you know, you're not taking this seriously. Like, just... 
Like, I got into, like, a huge fight with one of my roommates <laughs> over the show Cooking with Gandalf. I'm just, like, imagine he's, like, being like, we're not taking this seriously. And then being like, yeah, we're not taking this seriously. <laughs> but it's like, I, I was fine with the middle part being whatever. You know, we had all sorts of nonsense we'd get up into to in the middle of the episode. One episode, like, it turned out one of the items we bought was moldy. So we had to, like, walk to the grocery store in the middle of the night to, like, get a new thing. And, like, we filmed that. And it was very fun. It was unexpected. But, like... What frustrated me about that process is that, like, to me, taking something seriously isn't, like, following the steps every single bit of the way and, like, making a very straightforward, no-nonsense show. It's about caring about the product. Exactly. And I was the one that had to do all of the work. Yeah. <laughs> like, all they had to do was pick a recipe and yeah. cook and be silly on camera with me. Yeah. I had to edit I had to make an intro sequence. I had to upload it to YouTube, which at the time took a lot longer. I had to market it. I had to like, you know, make sure everything was like set and whatnot. Like I had to do all that work and they appreciated all that work, yeah. but didn't put any effort in themselves yeah. and would get mad at me for being too strict when it's like, listen, you want to do this, but I'm doing all the work. So at the very least, I need you to like your commitment to certain structural things that I need as an editor. Yeah. <laughs> and also it's going on my YouTube channel also like I would like some semblance of like this is a complete product you know like I'm not making a show for no one to watch yeah it'll be funny mostly to us but I want it to be something that I'm proud of and so like that kind of old sort of like uh, the structure is being strayed from like you know anxiety comes back for that this show <laughs> and so like that's where it's coming from for me is like you know for this show I edit every episode I yeah. upload it to Libsyn I'm the one like marketing yeah. it on you know Reddit and our Twitter yeah. account and that kind of stuff and so like I I would not do all that work yeah <laughs> if we're just gonna shit around just, exactly. for Joe and Tony yeah <laughs> you know like I I do not take three to four hours every Thursday night to record with you for nothing. Yeah, exactly. So like I am trying I'm, to be cognizant of like when I'm being insane and when like I'm like legitimately frustrated, which is rare with you yeah. because you and I, we're adults. Exactly. So that helps. Certainly we're not college students. Yeah, exactly. But like that's where it's coming from. I guess yeah. is what I'm saying. No, of course. Yeah. And <laughs> this, like, I don't think like this I, is Brie collaboration therapy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do think it. that's like important. I do. And I don't want to, like, suggest that I don't care about, like, the quality of the show. <laughs> you are right to, like, focus on the structure. I think, like, I think can be very, like, silly or whatever and still be very structured and stuff. And, like, it does have to be. I think you're very much right about that. Out of curiosity, and maybe we'll put it when we, we'll tweet this out, what's your favorite episode of Cooking with Gandalf? Oh, man. It's hard. There's so many good episodes of Cooking with Gandalf. There's there's an exceptional, our, our first Christmas special is really good. We attempt to make a gingerbread house from scratch but it's so janky because we do not measure anything and like all of the pieces are the wrong size and eventually it just sort of like it's all held up just by like momentum and it we just sh like and the the icing is the wrong texture it's way too like liquid so it just looks like jizz all over this fucking gingerbread house and so we just <sighs> by the end it just looks like a crack house oh, <laughs> it's no. like so we've made a gingerbread crack house happy happy christmas uh and the other thing that's funny about that episode is that i had lost my voice because i'd gotten drunk for the first time in my life oh, yeah. I, was, I was 20 years old uh or i was about to be 20 years old and i got drunk for the first time and i lost my voice oh, no. and so we were filming and i couldn't talk and so my roommates knowing that i'm a you know structure nazi are like fuck 
walking around because I can't talk and you can watch me get like very frustrated while we're making this like stupid gingerbread house and like they're running around throwing stuff at each other and I'm just like so petulant but I'm like it's Christmas and I I know it's funny and I'm just I'm trying to loosen up but I'm so upset it's a very funny episode all right well you guys should watch that yeah so the Christmas special cooking with Gandalf another Twitter question not that Ruth Weston asks who I love we both love yes we love not that Ruth Weston uh any Ruth Weston you are is perfect um any thoughts on bringing in Richard Schiff as the mysterious Philip Cowan only to blow him away in the same episode? Good twist? Way to subvert expectations? Or waste of a good character? I mean... it's a great question. Yeah. I think, like, waste of a good actor. The character is nothing yet. Yeah. Um, this show loves wasting its actors. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Like, part of me was sad to see Richard Schiff go. I, um, I think... It would have been more of a thing if we had built up Philip Cowan a little bit more than we did. Yeah, we only had his name for, like, what, two episodes beforehand? Yeah, and and I don't know if it's... Because the thing is, Philip Cowan would have just become what Carla is in season two. Yeah. And so, and I like Carla, and I think it's interesting that we have, like, a primary female antagonist. And a I lady think boss. Trish, yeah, lady boss. What? Yeah. What's that like? Um, and, like, I like the the fact that we have a female and a primary female yeah. antagonist for the first time and so i feel like you know as weird as it was that richard schiff was like a voice in one episode and then like in a 10 second scene in the second episode i think he would have been a redundant character yeah. to one that i definitely know i like exactly so i don't know and i do like the fact that like he finally got a name the man that burned him and it turns out like oh i'm not important at all this goes way deeper than me and then he like is immediately killed like you know that's that shakes you at the end of the season it's like shit i thought we had answers yeah no it was it it really does like that episode really does play like and that is a good example of subverting expectation Mm -hmm. um as opposed to like other things like the last season of Game of Thrones. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I think it definitely worked there. And as much as I love friendship, I agree. Uh, I, I like he, having Carla. Yeah, I, I like having Carla. And I also think that, like, something we didn't bring up in that episode is that, like, Richard Schiff kind of brings the rest of the cast down because of how good he is. <laughs> and true. I feel like that would have... Because Richard Schiff is not a campy actor. He's, like, no. a serious dramatic actor. Exactly. And he has comedic chops. Yeah, no, he's, he's very funny, wonderful. but, like, he's not... He's a different kind of funny. Yeah. He's a different tone of a performer. And yes. I think it would have made the show uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. That's definitely true. Because, like, Trisha Helfer, who I also think is fantastic and has, like, incredible range. Like, fucking Battlestar Galactica, are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, the only good thing about Gaius Baltar's whole plot line, fuck Gaius Baltar. Um, but, like... I, but she also has done enough kind of campy sci-fi shows yeah. that she understands what this tone is. And she plays the exact type of villain that this short of show needs. Yeah. And I think Richard Schiff would have just confused from that. No, yeah, I definitely agree. But great question, Ruth Weston. Thank yeah, you. Totally. Um, what else does Twitter ask? Well, so we, we got a shout out to Patty Larkin, who is too sick and headachey to come up with questions, but is eager to listen to the results. So Patty, I hope you're feeling better. So what are you looking forward to in season two of Burn Noticed with a D? Um, more D for sure. More D. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward, I mean, I'm looking forward to talking about my favorite episode, because I've been talking about ever since the ever beginning of this since. Part, I love this fucking episode. You have episode. really hyped this episode. I hope that there is someone who's never watched Burn Notice 
who is like watching it for the first time along with this show and they get to that episode they're like eh, b plus yeah no i what i'm excited for and burn noticed season two i'm excited for us to get tighter about like Ooh. i'm excited for my uh pelvic floor to heal um <laughs> the pelvic floor of this podcast yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I'm excited for us to, like, get it down to a science so that I feel more comfortable yeah. goofing and that I, I can spend more time goofing. Because, like, one of my favorite episodes of last season is the Lucy Lawless episode. Mm-hmm. A, because I think that our discussion was really good. Mm-hmm. And I, like, the, the half the reason I like doing the show with you is because I like talking about media with you. Yeah. And picking apart media, even though that's not what some Reddit users yeah. prefer from us is really interesting to me because we are both storytellers and filmmakers yeah. and talking this kind of stuff out makes us both better at that. Definitely. But also because that's the episode that I got to goof the most in because I yeah. just I made orgasm sounds the whole time. And I, you know, that's a thing I can do as an adult with a podcast about burn notice. You can... <laughs> so I mean, as an adult, you are allowed to make orgasm sounds. Mm-hmm. And if a you were not about... an, If you were not an adult, it would be child porn. It and would you were be. not allowed to do that. Mm-mm. I mean, I'm closer to child than you are, old man. God damn it. Uh, but, you know. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just excited for us to, like, get it down so that, you know, we we know how to talk about burn notice. We have, like, a shorthand. We can be more concise. Because I think the other thing is that I'm trying in season two to be a little bit more concise with my recap. Yes. Because some things aren't, like, to other people's points are not interesting. It's, yeah. like, the, the way that exposition happens, like, unless there is a funny moment, it doesn't really matter. No, like, yeah. then we have a scene with these two. Moving on. Exactly. Yeah, who cares? Yeah. Like, I've gotten in trouble for being too, like, short with that kind of stuff. But I do think that, like, to a certain extent, we don't need, ever, like, a scene-by-scene play-by-play. No. Unless something interesting is happening, we just need yeah. to know, you know, what gets us to point B. Exactly, yeah. Like... And I'm excited for us to get better at that so we can spend more time dissecting the story. Yes. And, you know, just generally having a good time. Yeah. Um... What about you? Uh, yeah, I think I'm excited about that, too. I agree. Um, really, like, honing in on it. And, like... Because, yeah, I think the recaps are interesting mostly for, like, the discussion that they bring about, like, about the show. I'm excited for the show to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, it's really easy and fun and satisfying to talk about why media is bad. Mm-hmm. And... But... I think sometimes it's a lot more rewarding to talk about why media is good and why mm-hmm. we like things. And I think I really enjoy talking about things that I like. And, like, uh, I really like seeing things working. Mm-hmm. And so, like... Yeah, we're not going into the show because, like, we want it to be bad. No. We go into the show because we know it can be good. Yeah. And we're waiting for the moments where it is. I never watch a thing hoping that it's bad. Like, even if it's, like, a so bad it's good thing, mm-hmm. it has to be so bad that it's good. If it's just bad, then I'm disappointed. Yeah. Like, I never want to feel like I've wasted my time watching something. So, like, every time I'm watching Burn Notice, I'm hoping, like, this is not a waste of my time. I'm hoping that this is great. Yeah, and something I will also say about Burn Notice that I appreciate is that even when we, like, we, when we decide that an episode is an episode of television, a lot of the times, I don't hate it. Like, like the season two opener... Um, we, uh, spoiler alert, don't consider it a great episode of television, yeah. which should not be a surprise to anyone. Yeah. However, I enjoyed it. Like, I had a good time watching it. I feel like it was a lot, like, more focused and tighter mm-hmm. than previous season episodes. Like, I felt like they knew where they were going with it, and they yeah. finally figured out what all the characters are good at, and yeah. they really played to everyone's strengths. Michael Weston got to do two whole accents, which I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah, I just, I, I'm glad that we're getting to the point of the show where they're hitting their strides. Yeah. Because I think it'll allow us to hit our strides. Exactly. That, that makes sense. If you had a Michael Weston style alias, if you had to have an alias, what would it be? Ooh. Interesting. So the problem is, is that I like to think of myself as someone who could be like really quiet and shy and sweet. Mm-hmm. You cannot look at me and think, that person is quiet and shy and sweet. So even if I'm doing an alias, like, it would have to be just another loud, outrageous person. Yeah. Because I cannot pull off anything else. Like, as an actress, I can't. Which is why I only write myself roles where I can be outrageous and loud. Uh, so I think that my alias, maybe my alias would be like an Allison Sumner-style character. The character that I play in our web series, Brains. Mm-hmm. I think I could pull So, off- like, post-apocalyptic? Yeah. No, I think, like... Like, confident to, like, a delusional fault, but in a way that, like, there's enough thought. Like, it's, it's sort of, like, endearingly delusional, but then the longer you spend with her, the more sort of self-destructive and destructive to everyone around you it gets. Because I think I could play with that. Like, I could analyze, like, how can I fuck up this situation, but, like, by being selfish in a well-meaning way. Okay, so like, let's say I'm a crime man, like yeah. I'm like a drug dealer or something. And no, you're so you tra- got to be more specific. No, no. If, you're, if we're gonna, I'm a, drug, this- I'm a drug dealer. Okay. Um, and like, um, I like, am I want like someone dead because they they're gonna testify, mm-hmm. and so you're conning me into getting myself caught. That's your plan. You're gonna pretend to be something. Like you got to pretend to be something to get me arrested or whatever. Mm-hmm. Who are you? Um, hmm. in that circumstance, like, I think I'm going to try to become a, like a new dealer for you. Like, I'm going to come in and like, I don't think you've cornered the youth market. <laughs> is that your voice? I'm a youth. I'm a and youth. And this is my market. <laughs> Yo, what's up? I'm a youth. Let me corner that youth market for you, my friend. Hi. So you're like, you're fucking Jesse Pinkman. <laughs> I've never seen that show, so sure. Uh, bitch! Is yeah, that what he says? That's what he says. Magnets, bitch! Yeah. Kids love magnets. <laughs> youth market. <laughs> so you're a youth? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm like a fresh face, like, hey, I think you could do uh, a better job selling to the college market. Like, what kind of drug dealer are you? I guess that matters. Like, uppers, downers, weed. Cocaine, uh, heroin. Coke. Let's say Coke. Coke. Yeah. Are you kidding? The local college is definitely in need of a good Coke supplier. And I don't think you, any of you fools are the right look. But look at me. I've got my stupid hair and chunky glasses. Like, I look like a dorky computer hacker from a television show. People are going to trust me to buy my Coke. Let me sell your Coke for you. Also, would you like to come down to the marina with all your guns and bad guy stuff? For no reason. Just because I need to see your security detail. I didn't catch your name. Oh. I'm Billy Jack. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> oh, God. Incomprehensible. Incomprehensible. <laughs> I think I would, I would be from Texas, which I am from Texas. That's good. I mean, as Michael Weston has said multiple times, uh, the best aliases are the ones with a grain of truth. Exactly. Um, and I think like I would be a yokel. I would be like, oh, what was the yokel's name? The great alias from season one. Oh, um, 
Homer. Homer. I think I would be like Homer. So if I'm the drug dealer who's selling cocaine and I want someone dead so that they don't testify against me, what's uh, what's Yokel going to do? What are you going to offer me? Who is this fool? Is he from Texas? Shoot him. Um, uh, I mean, like, no, no, the thing is, like, no one uses fucking, like, drugs like white trash people do. And I, and I know all the white trash people up and down this state. You don't need to know about nothing here. I can tell you real good. I know all these small towns. Like, look at this. You, you got this big operation. It's real nice. And I love it. And I love this. This it's is got real a real part of mouth. It's, it's real nice. Like, and this is good. This is good for Miami. And I get there's a lot of people in Miami. I understand this. But like, the thing what is. What you need to think about is franchising. Fran, no, yeah, franchising. You need to, like, get out. I can get, I can get your drugs all over the Southwest. I, all these little fucking towns. Like, you don't, you don't got time to go there. You don't. But I can go there. I got people. I got people in Arizona. I got people in Oklahoma. I got people in Texas. I got people all over that big damn state. And like they are ready to sell. And like you don't have the infrastructure like I have. I know because I'm a good old boy from the South. Um, <laughs> and my name is Billy Jack. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's so funny. I just met another Billy Jack. It was a woman though. It's crazy. Very common it's... name, I guess. It's a unisex name. <laughs> That's what I've always said. Uh, do we have any more Twitter questions? Uh, yeah, Kieran Black at Black Whaler asks, um, how far have we both gotten in the series? And so I think we've talked about this in an early episode before, but I don't think either of us remember. I know I definitely have gotten to the the at the seasons with uh, the fourth member of the gang. Yes, I have too. I think Kobe Blue. What the hell is his name? I don't remember. Cor- Corbin Blue. Corbin Blue. Yes, <laughs> famous Burn Notice actor Corbin Blue. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I I know I've definitely seen at least one season with him in it, but that was like super long ago. That, I, I didn't get to that point in my rewatch. No, this yeah, year. yeah. No, I think I watched it for like one or two seasons when he was there, mm-hmm. and then that was it, and then I fell off. Yeah, I wonder when he gets there because we there are. I feel se- like it's season four. I want to say season four. Pro- season four makes sense. So there are seven total seasons of Burn Notice, um, and I think I probably watched through like the middle of season three, my most recent rewatch. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I probably at least got to see through the end of season four. Um, but yeah, so there's going to be at least like two and a half to three seasons of this show that Chris and I are both totally blind on. Which I'm excited for. I was going to say, how do you feel about that? I think that's going to be exciting because, like, I won't have preconceived notions. Like, the Mm -hmm. one hard thing about rewatching this show is that I'm analyzing episodes that I've already seen. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like, you know, meeting your hero where it's like you remember liking the show. Uh But then when when you're really dissecting it, you're like, I don't like this as much. Uh But when we get to episodes that we won't know as well, it will be, like, new and fresh. And I'll be able to, like, enjoy them, you know, without any preconceived notions and expectations. Yeah, I... I definitely get that, but also, like, kind of have this fear that, like, I stopped watching for a reason. I, the only reason I stopped watching is the, because I stopped being able to, like, get it easily. Because, mm. you know, I stopped watching Burn Notice. It's fine. You don't have to understand it. <laughs> Back at the time where, like, I didn't have cable anymore. Yeah. Like, I, I probably stopped watching when I went to college in 2010. So that'll probably be layoff season four. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. That tracks. Mm-hmm. Um... You know, I think, like, I'm excited for that. Like, I... That's a couple seasons from now. It's like, it's gonna be, like, two years from now. Exactly. I don't 
remember a lot of like burn notice i remember your favorite episode yeah Um, i've talked about it a lot yeah but i I, how much of that memory do you think is implanted by me no no i remember it like when you first said you had a favorite episode i was like oh that's the only one i remember so like like it is a good episode episode. um but like most of this i kind of remember like i don't remember specific cases of the week at all like i like i've um, I only the only case of the weeks that I remember really are season one episodes, just because that's the season I've seen them most yeah, often. Exactly. Um, Do you have what, a least favorite villain? That was another, I think, Kieran question. A least favorite villain? Because um, we talked about our first favorite. season. Uh, yeah, from season one. Well, I think the thing is, my least favorite villains are the boring ones. So, like, it's like, yeah, anyone who was boring, you know, who was like boring and shouldn't have been boring was the last one. The one from the finale. Like, oh, that yeah, the guy. guy. The guy that was holding Sam. Yeah, like, he was so Th- They kept forgetting that Sam was trying to get himself killed. So exactly. He, he couldn't trap Michael. Like, there's a lot of boring villains on this show, but, like, that's the point where the stakes are the biggest and you want the villain to be mm-hmm. interesting. Because, um, like, Sam is given the performance of his life. Exactly. And it's just this guy. Yeah, this fucking generic-ass marine-looking motherfucker. Like, who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, now everyone else just... Uh, kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Um, so like this, this is the last bonus episode, and then yeah, we're gonna take a week's break, and then we will be back the first week of November, which is a date that I definitely have in front of me because I prepared for this conversation. So season two of Burn Notice will begin on November fourth. So check back in for our review of season two, episode one, November fourth, and we are probably just gonna post day to day. Uh, we don't plan on taking any holiday breaks right now, so you know. Week to week, not like. Yeah, week to week. Yeah, yeah. No, we're not doing like what day today. We're gonna continue uploading episodes every Monday morning. Yeah. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, we yeah we don't have a plan to like take breaks for like Thanksgiving and Christmas and that kind of yeah, stuff. Because yeah, none of them land on a Monday. Yeah, none of the, none of the holidays land on a Monday, and also we queue these out pretty far in advance. Yeah. So. Uh, with that in mind, if you have things that you want to ask us about in individual episodes of season two, if you have like things you want to hear about, yeah. send those to us early yeah, so that we can include them in our episode outlines. Otherwise, like, you know, you might send us a thing that we will see, you know, weeks after we record that exactly, episode. Exactly, yeah. All right. Um, Thanks for listening. Thanks to Vincent E.L. for the theme music that I'm probably going to be using in this episode as well. Yeah. VincentEL.Bandcamp.com. Uh, is your Kickstarter still going to be running? So yeah, also, uh, real quick, today is the last day of the Road Trippy Kickstarter. It's the last day that you can pre-order a physical copy of this book, uh, which again, please do. It's really funny. I really want you to read it. Chris wrote it, in case you forgot. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. I co-wrote it um, with um, Ray Friesen, comics artist, and Joe Heath, podcaster and writer, who does a podcast about Only Dr. one podcast. Does only one podcast. Um, it's probably more true now. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so please go buy that. Please read it. I really appreciate it. And until next time. Bye. I guess. <laughs> <laughs>